persevere your way through the adversity that's coming your way. Not only are you a better person for it, but you learn so much about yourself and what you can handle and those limits that you think you have that might not even be there. They might be even further than you think you're along. Welcome to Unlocking College Life. Real talk about all things college. The best part of this podcast is that your voice is part of the show. Other students care what you have to say. So through your questions, your feedback, and your real talk, we all grow together. Let's dive in with your hosts, Joy and Alona. Welcome back to Unlocking College Life. Today, Alona and I are joined by a student athlete who is going to talk a little bit about his story of connection and working through his own challenges in the college environment. So I'm going to let Derek introduce himself. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. My name is Derek Shadig. I am currently a senior at Harvard University studying psychology, and I'm also goalie on the men's ice hockey team here. Welcome, Derek. So I would love for you to, if you would, share with our listeners a little bit about your journey to college, from high school, athletics, and all of that, and how has it been since? Yeah, so I've been playing hockey for a pretty long time, since I was little, probably close to 20 years now. So I kind of started to get serious about hockey when I was in high school, probably around my freshman or sophomore year. And the way that hockey works, it's kind of different than most sports, is before you get you go to college, you usually play this thing called juniors, which is typically after high school. But it's a pretty crazy experience. So there's drafts for these different leagues, different levels. So there's drafts to get into these leagues. And there's even like contracts to sign if you want to skip the draft and just go straight to a team. And you have to actually make the team after all of that. My training camp, there were something 50 goalies there for two spots. So it's super uber competitive. And then once you make these teams, and that's typically where you get recruited out of to go to college. So these teams, you go from high school, which is much different, usually not as competitive. And then you get to juniors and you're treated like a pro. So you can get cut, you can get traded. You can get sent down leagues, so that's pretty difficult. So my first year, I was in the second highest league. I was playing in Wisconsin, and I got called up to the highest league for two weeks and then played well there. So in the next year, I was in the higher league. I was drafted pretty early on in the draft, so I thought for sure I was going to this team in Chicago. I was there for a bit, and then I got traded, which was just a devastating moment for me. It was super tough. I was supposed to be like the starting goalie playing a lot of games in Chicago, and then I got traded to uh, this team in Nebraska and then played there for the rest of the year, but didn't play nearly as many games as I thought I was going to for the year. And at the time, this is when there's so much pressure to come into college on a high so that you're ready to go and your coach thinks highly of you and will give you a chance to play. So yeah, and then I got to school here and like I said, hadn't played a lot in junior and then I ended up not being the starting goalie here. Started off as third string. And so that was hard too. And then I think that it's always hard to pinpoint like when your mental health struggles start, I feel like. But probably started in junior and then continued on through college. And then for me, once I realized that I started to have mental health struggles and then didn't play a lot, kind of started like distance myself from my teammates. And then snowballs from there. Then you're distancing yourself from your teammates and then you don't think that you fit in. And then the guys aren't talking to you as much and kind of went from there. So, yeah. So I'm curious, it sounds like so much pressure already in the high school environment. When you think about it developmentally, there's so much going on as is. And then sort of being traded like this... I can't imagine. I mean, would you say that sort of that's where it began? I mean, because it's a lot of ups and downs. 
there is this expectation there are these hopes and dreams and then you just get traded like you said sometimes within weeks it sounds like and so do you think for you that's where it started or later on i also hope you'll talk a little bit about what kind of messaging were you getting about how to handle it in those spaces too i would definitely say that's where it started along you mentioned within weeks it was actually like I went to the rink. I was in my warm-up gear for Chicago. Coach called me in. He said, you're traded. And I drove there that night. So literally within hours or seconds or whatever. So I didn't really have a lot of experience with mental health before. So dealing with it and the messages to deal with it, my parents didn't have a lot of experience with it either. So it was definitely difficult. The other tough part about playing junior, at least, is you really only know the 23 guys on your team and then the coaches in the whole city and your host family. And that's it. So to have people outside of your team to talk to that aren't going to judge you or say or think that you're mentally weak or not giving your all to the team or something like that. It's hard. I rely on my parents a lot. There's only so much they can do. You know, they're not licensed professionals. And as an athlete, to me at least, there's definitely still that stigma behind getting help. So I definitely fought it for a long time and I didn't want to. Yeah, I don't know. I just relied on my parents and they're the ones who eventually got me to see someone, thankfully, but that was a year or two later. So it definitely took some time. But I am so curious, what, if any, role models or mentors did you have in the hockey realm who ever talked about this stuff? Yeah, I didn't have any in junior, except for there's this publication called the Players' Tribune, which a lot of professional athletes will kind of tell their stories. And part of that, what they do is they tell athletes mental health stories. So I had read about it, but to me, that's so distant. And you're just, that can't be me. There's no way that's me. So it kind of took until I got to school here, and then one of my teammates, he was going to be my teammate, he left the year before I got here. He had to take a leave of absence because he was struggling with mental illness, and so he had to leave the school, and he actually transferred and never came back, so I was never his teammate. But yeah, like that kind of happened, and I heard about that, but again, I was still like, there's no way that can be me, or I even thought kind of ignorant at the time that I was, I'm mentally tougher than that guy, like I can handle this. Yeah, I think it took until... My parents kind of reached out and had me take that first step. And then once that happened is when the flood of people came in and they were like, I'm also experiencing this. This is going on in my life. And then that's when I really kind of jumpstarted my healing process. And I know that a lot of your identity was wrapped up in this, naturally. I mean, hockey was part of your life for a long time. And I know you have written about this quite openly and sort of how your world in some ways started to crumble when that wasn't everything. Can you say more about that? Like I said, I kind of started to get more serious about hockey in early on in high school. And from that point on, I still remember this moment. I went to this conference and it was about early development and training and hockey and how to produce the best results. They talked about eating healthy, getting enough sleep, things like that. But I had never really heard about that before. I was pretty early on in my hockey career. And once I heard that, everything immediately shifted. And I changed my complete lifestyle. Everything was about hockey. And I was like that for a long time, probably like five or six years. And you know, it's hard, especially in junior when you're not going to school, you don't have a job, like everything is about hockey, whether or not you play how at the time, like satisfactory your life is, quote unquote, it's all riding on hockey. And then once you're here, like your performance in practice, your performance in games that determines your status on the team, like if you're like a starting goalie or not. So yeah, your identity is, at least my identity was definitely wrapped up in only hockey for a long time. The other thing that was difficult was I felt like I was failing in hockey. And then it's a very competitive school. 
So I also thought I was failing at school and I just felt like everything around me, I was failing. That was just a failure and that everything was crumbling. Yeah, I think it definitely took a lot of time. I took a leave of absence from school to work mental health and it took a lot of time and hard work to kind of shift that perspective and kind of redefine success. So for me, that's broadening to different areas of my life. So I may not be a starting goalie right now. I may not have all A's. I am a great teammate and, you know, I'm a great uncle and son and brother and all these other things. So, yeah, I think if you can define it by giving the best, like things you can do, accepting the things that you can't control and remembering that you're successful and however you define that in a lot of areas of your life. Well, we talk about this a lot on our show, which is that failures, sometimes there's not a space for them. Success in academics is literally about grades and about not failing. In sports, too, you just said it's about who gets the positions, who's on the ice the most. And so what have you learned from those failures? Because we know that that's actually often where we learn the most, but there's not great models of integrating that as part of our success. I think that's what you're saying is that you've learned to do that. And how are you continuing to do that? What I've learned the most, what I kind of define the failures as a success almost is that I can handle them. Like before, I remember there was this moment I was talking to my to one of my goalie coaches and I was saying, I can't imagine the people who get injured and they're out for like a year or something. That seems so crazy to me because every day everything was about hockey. I was like, I don't know if I could handle that. And then I ended up having to get hip surgery when I was out for nine months to a year. So, and I handled that. So I think that's the biggest thing is like, I don't even use the word failure to the things that happen to me and the things that I go through, because while I might not have achieved the goal, like I definitely learned something else. And I learned something more about myself that you can continue to use throughout your life. Yeah. And if we go with the athletics realm, you got to stress the muscle for it to grow. And so that's exactly what you're talking about. Our growth doesn't happen in the comfort zone. It very much happens in the discomfort and in the challenging things. And the most beautiful thing about these challenges is when you look back, because you can say, dang, I did this. I got through it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think on the wall in my locker room here at school, there's three words, and it's perseverance and team first. And I think that really kind of embodies what we're talking about as far as if you can kind of persevere your way through the adversity that's coming your way. Not only are you a better person for it, but you learn so much about yourself and what you can handle and those limits that you think you have that might not even be there. They might be even further than you think you're along. So I totally agree. Well, and one more thing that I wanted to comment is that even when athletics are gone, even when school and academic success is gone, the one thing that is here are the people. And so it sounds like when you were identifying sort of what you want to stand for or who you are, that people are very important in your life, right? Like, I'm a great uncle, I'm a great son, and all of that. And so we do on this podcast discuss and sort of focus on connections. So can you say more about that, whether it's the teammates, classmates, peers, what role that has played sort of in your, you're now a senior, it's a long time coming and ups and downs, relationships, all that stuff. Can you share with us? A lot of different aspects, I think, but helpful and not so helpful as far as my peers go. So in one sense, if you're a part of an athletics team, generally you immediately have a community. I remember when I was coming to campus, a lot of my friends who aren't athletes were a little more concerned than me of like finding that that group of friends that they could kind of rely on and be with. And I remember kind of having a little bit of that pressure off my back because I was like, well, I have this group of teammates right here that I know are going to have my back and be by my side. 
So I think on one sense, that's really comforting and helpful to know that. On the other hand, like I was saying, it's hard to talk to your teammates, at least for me it was, to about what you're going through mental health wise. So and I think it can get difficult to distinguish between, like I even said on the locker room, it says grit. So I think that it's difficult to kind of distinguish between just grinding your way through the pain or things like that versus, okay, I actually need help in this moment and to reach out for help. And that's really strong and really hard to do. So yeah, I think the other thing that was super helpful for me was again, trying to take the, have a more balanced lifestyle. So having reaching out and making those connections and friendships outside of the hockey team. I know in a lot of schools, that's kind of difficult to do. Kind of some of the bigger ones, mostly people just hang out with within their teams. But here, I've been really trying to make friends outside of the team. And now my senior year, I have those relationships. And let's say, like, for example, if I'm not traveling one weekend, I can still have friends and have someone on campus to hang out and talk to, and maybe even help me through what's going on without feeling those pressures to appear mentally strong and things like that. I feel like we're talking around a little bit because you're talking about the stigma and you're talking about how hard it is. And it's like Alona and I don't know what goes on in a men's hockey locker room. (laughs) And now you're a senior, you're a leader and you've been really open. And I wonder what do you think, we often talk about that vulnerability is actually what enhances connection, but there's so many barriers, I think, especially for men to be vulnerable, whatever that means, like, hey, I'm struggling. Hey, that sucked that I didn't make the team, whatever. How do you model that now? It's pretty interesting. So I remember when I first got here, people would kind of make jokes in the sense of like, if someone came to the rink and they just weren't joking around as much, they kind of like sarcastically be like, hey, are you okay, man? Or something like that. And then people kind of laugh. The kid would laugh it off who obviously was struggling with something or just not having a good day or something like that. It was kind of this pressure to always have that face on that, like everything's okay. So I remember like a couple of days this year, I was just struggling with some things. I remember walking in the rink, again, felt that pressure. I was like, all right, like I need to be in a good mood today. Like you have to be a good teammate, all these things. I remember walking in and I was like, oh, like maybe being a good teammate is like showing that I'm struggling right now, talking to someone about it on the team. And I think that has really helped. Also on campus here, I'm a SOL, so it's a student athlete wellness and leadership committee. And basically there's one from each varsity program here on campus, one member. And basically they're there just as like a sounding board in case anyone needs to talk to you about anything, whatever's going on with school or friendships or family, or if you are struggling with a mental illness. I also like know most of the resources here on campus to help direct people to those if they need a little more professional help than I can offer. And I've had some experience with some of the younger guys this year, even that they came to me and they're, I need, I want some help. And it can be difficult to navigate getting those resources, reaching out to a teammate. So I think that having someone that's older, that is showing that vulnerability that can help in those certain ways is really important. So I think that's huge, right? That they have a safe space, safe person to reach out to. And I really appreciate you reflecting on the locker room talk, because we have seen this with variety of issues, LGBTQ, right? And how locker room talk has sort of stood in a way of folks coming out, for example. And it sounds like very similar to what you just mentioned about mental health and sort of the jokes that can go around and are really, really toxic. And it also reminds me that even other settings, sometimes we have students who are in competitive programs academically and their support is mostly, say, within their lab. 
right? But they don't always feel comfortable sharing there because there's a lot of competition, sort of who gets what seat. And, and so I also appreciate you saying, and I had to sort of build support outside of the athletics because it's not necessarily always safe. It's often competitive. And how do you diversify and then also pay it forward? Yeah, I think that's definitely something that helps me out a lot. And I think something that I've tried to emphasize for we have two new classes on my team, the first years and the sophomores, and most of their time was spent off campus in those first year or two years because of COVID. So they don't really know a lot of people yet. So I've really tried to encourage them to make those relationships outside the team. And I think for the most part, like our team does a pretty good job of being integrated throughout the campus. I think that a lot of, the, of campus kind of knows us in a personal way. And I just hope that we can continue to really hone in on that and really encourage the teams to make it so okay and so accessible because without solid mental health, there's not that much performance athletically either. You know what I mean? And then I'm also curious because not only are you in a competitive athletic environment, you're also in a really competitive academic environment. So how does that blend doesn't blend? Like, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, they're pretty similar, I would say. They're both can be pretty challenging at times. I think that was one of the things that took me a while to learn when I first got here. I remember one of my friends saying, there could always be someone smarter than you. Like, not saying that's necessarily true, but there could always be someone out there that is. And there might be that you spend 20 hours preparing for this exam, he spends 10, and you get the same grade. And that's just hard to accept, for sure. So, again, like I was talking about, like learning that some things are out of your control. I can't control how smart that person is or that I have to work harder than them just to get the same grade or things along those lines. So... I think the biggest thing that kind of helps me navigate both environments, both on the hockey side and the academic side, is trying to reduce comparisons, I think, is a really big thing for me. So I feel like if I'm just focusing on myself and defining success as doing the best that I can possibly do, then I think that takes a lot of the pressure off for me. And knowing that even if I walk out of here grades I didn't necessarily want, that was the best that I could possibly have done. And I can walk away happy with that. I was just going to say, I feel like we're also talking about imposter syndrome in some ways, too, both in the academic space and the athletic space, and that we often will mention that vulnerability actually reduces imposterism in some ways, because then you're not comparing yourself to people in this way that's putting them on a pedestal. And so I think what's really important about what you're saying is you have learned to instead of saying, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'd handle that. Now you say, man, whatever might come my way, it might not be easy, but I can handle it. I think when we decide that we can't handle something or we don't want to deal with it, that it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so I think you being able to model, yeah, it's not going to be easy, but I know how to get through it. It's just really powerful. It's interesting you say that because I was just talking to my girlfriend the other day. She had a big decision she was trying to make in her life. And she was saying, I don't have an option. Like, I can't do the other thing. And then I remember reflecting on it for a while and I came back to her. And I was just thinking, like, the only reason that you can't do it is because you're saying that you can't do it. You do have an option. We always have choices. And she ended up doing that thing that she thought that she just couldn't do. And she's doing it and she's doing great. So choose or realizing that you can do more than you think you can is really important. So Derek, is there any other last thoughts you want to leave for our listeners about 
you know, how to just navigate the college environment, maybe especially when folks are feeling things aren't going so well. Yeah, one of the things that I wish I kind of would have gone into college knowing I think a lot of kids come in and rightly so very excited and they think that it's going to be this magical place where maybe they don't have the same issues or things going on they did in high school. So I think as far as first coming into college is just realizing that it's not all going to be perfect. It could definitely be a bumpy road. Things aren't always going to go great all the time. You could have to go through some things. You might not always get that. And like we've been talking about, just recognizing that that's okay and that you'll be able to persevere and get through that. And that recognizing that in the grand scheme of things, that grade is not as big as you might think it would be later on in life. So yeah, just trying to have that level head as you're approaching college and going through it. And when it all seems like all that matters is getting that paper in by midnight, maybe recognizing if you just do your best and turn in literally all you can ask of yourself. Great. Well, thank you, Derek Shadig, for being with us today. And thank all of you. And we'll see you all soon. Until next time, take care. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review us on your favorite pod platform. Share with your friends if this is making you think about and participate in college differently. We want to hear from you. Connect with us on Instagram and let us know how it's going. This podcast is not professional advice or replacement for therapy. If you need professional advice, you should find it with professionals in your area, such as your primary care physician or therapist.